Well, tonight we're talking about trusting in God again, teaching on belief, faith, and trusting in God, part two. And last week we talked about this faith, belief, and trusting in God more from the standpoint of belief and believing. Uh, and we, we were saying that you have to have faith to have that. But it's a sovereign God. It's a sovereign God that brings about the trusting, the faith, and the belief differently. We look at it differently in the New Testament than we did in the Old Testament. You remember when Ahaz, I said that this was coming out of the the seventh chapter of Isaiah, where he told Ahaz that he would deliver him from Pekah and Remelah's son, and that he would have to believe in God. If he didn't believe, he wouldn't be established. And I was telling you that we have to believe God. And to believe God, you have to kind of know of God and trust God. It takes a relationship because to trust a person, they have to have, you know, you have to maybe have had prior knowledge of them to learn whether that person's trustworthy. And I said that it's in a combination with faith also. Uh, and a lot of people quote the scripture of faith, in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I told you that on the surface, that sounds good, believing in Christ, but it's a lot of people that believe that Jesus died for us, that Jesus that be, believe that Jesus died for our sins and things, but yet and still, those people are not meeting the conditions of inheriting eternal life. You remember I told you the devils believe and tremble, so you can't just take one scripture out of context and say, oh well, you see, I'm believing what God says here, and I have eternal life. Well, that, that's, that's just part of the story. You have to have the whole story, and it's line up on line here a little and there a little or whatever. So uh, on the surface, it appears that God will save people on the basis of simply accepting Jesus Christ as son. And it says, he who comes, verse. if you go further down in that chapter, that's why we have to read and study and give ourselves to studying the word of God. If you go further down in that, it says, he who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. That's the worldly person. But he who comes from heaven, that is Christ, is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. In other words, no one believes it. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure, uh, but Jesus perfectly knew and understood, stand the truth or understood the truth of God, and he taught it to these people in the power of the Spirit, and that they should have believed what he said. And says, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. Now, we look and see that believing is connected to the words that Jesus Christ brought to us from God. 
Now that word runs from Genesis to Revelations. He spoke many times of the law and the prophets. So just believing that Jesus Christ alone died for our sins, that's, that, that's common to salvation, but it's not saving salvation. You understand what I'm saying? It's not saving salvation. In other words, you have to continue on to the words of God believing in what Jesus said and what Jesus spoke of. And as we keep continue on in what Jesus spoke of, as we speak about that, we see we see where Jesus uh where Jesus gave gifts uh, of, God, of faithfulness. Also in Acts 13 and 48, God's gift of faith to a servant of God. And it says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believe. That is, God selectively imparts the ability to believe. That's a gift from God. The ability to believe. Everybody don't have the ability to believe to salvation. Only God can give that. Only Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, when he brings us into the church, that's the earnest of our inheritance, is that seed that God plants in us, the word of faith. Hearing, faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you have to hear the word of God. That, that's where that seed of faith comes from, hearing the word of God, hearing that the words that Jesus Christ brought about the coming kingdom of God. He becomes the object of our faith. But believing in him encompasses believing the words that he spoke, that we would do the words that he spoke. Now, a lot of us take the word of God and the reason a lot of people are struggling and they've been in the church a long time or whatever, but they may not have been born again. There are a lot of people in the church that are false professors that profess having, you know, uh, having faith of loving God and being even being born again. But actually they had not. That's something that God gives the ability to believe. And that come, that faith that he gives you there has works. It has works. But sometimes you, you notice that seems like your faith is wearing thin. You become doubtful or whatever. And that's where I, I want to talk about trust in, in tonight. Where it crosses the line past belief. But trusting is relying on something or someone or something, and having confidence in it. Having confidence in it. You know, you may have a child, you may have a parent, or you may have a job, or you have something you rely in, or whatever, rely on, or have confidence in. But he tells us, ultimately, we shouldn't rely on that more than we trust in God. We know we have to trust man to a certain extent, but our trust has to be in God. It has to be in Jesus Christ. And that causes us to develop a relationship with him because times will get hard. For Jeremiah, it was hard. For, for we Remember Job, it had got hard for Job. And it's bad enough that the people...
people that are born again and have God's Spirit when times get bad because they begin to doubt God and start saying things uh, and it kind of it kind of weakens their stance in God. Uh, it was Sunday, I think it was, I was talking about Jeremiah Sunday Deacon, uh, about he was talking foolishly to God because he was going through so much and I left that for us to go through this time trusting God in the worst of times. And that's why I say sometimes people draw back and they're not as strong in God as they thought they were because they undergo problems and things start happening. And uh, God rebuked Jeremiah because you know I tell you to read the whole chapter. And that's why it's important that y'all read. And that's why it says, okay, if you forsake the assembling together of yourself, you still have the, as I tell everybody, you still have the sermon audios. If you miss Bible study or they, uh, a church or something, Please go back and list that sermon audio or something because that's important. And we're building a building block and I, hopefully I'm not saying or doing things that are not important. But that whole 15th chapter of Jeremiah, which I won't go back over again, I'm going to pick it up at about the uh, 19th verse. When, because remember I said Jeremiah was saying God had deceived him. He was talking like God had fooled him or whatever. And God continues his response and was rebuking Jeremiah. He says, the Lord replied, stop this foolishness and talk with some sense. Only if you return to me, trusting me, will I let you continue as my prophet, as my spokesman. You are to influence them and they are not to influence you. They, you shouldn't let the world influence you. The Message Bible reads it this way. In that same passage, it tells Jeremiah, God says, Take back those words and I'll take you back. Then you'll stand tall before me. Use words truly and well. Don't stoop to cheap talk and whining. Then, but only then, you'll speak for me. You remember I said Jeremiah was talking and he had, before then he had said he wasn't going to speak God's word anymore. And he went in the house or whatever, but then God's spirit stirred up in him and said it was like fire shut up in his bones that he had to say something. But see, that's from a lack of him trusting in God because circumstances, just like with Job, circumstances was dictating something else, was showing something else. It was the worst of times, and that's why we have to trust God in the worst of times. We have to have that trust that to come to the point, as Job says, though he slay me, yet will I serve God. Because God is sovereign, and I'll, let me talk about God's sovereignty in a minute. But if God's sovereign, that means he's in control of all situations, everything that's going on in our lives at all times, and he knows what's going on. So if you trusted in him, it might be till death. It might be to the point like Daniel in the lion's den. You might get thrown in the lion's den. But you still have confidence and trust in God. Maybe like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. You may get thrown in a fiery furnace. But if God deliver you, fine. But if he don't, you still serve God. You're not going to bend about. You trusting in God. The situation should dictate you changing or not trusting God. The Good News Translation presents, uh, paraphrases this, 
uh, same verse it says, it is clear that God is not mentions his words, mentioning his words with Jeremiah. In this time of crisis with Judah, God demands a servant in whom he can have confidence, one who will fearlessly warn in the face of persecution and who will remain committed to carrying out his work to its conclusion, no matter where the work may take him, God needs an individual that's resolute and indefatigable faith. In other words, it's not deflatable. It doesn't come and go. You stand strong for God, no matter what the world is doing. Don't let the world influence you or things in the world. You have to influence them. You have to be strong when when, when. Ever, everything is down, don't let them get you in that way. I had to tell one of my neighbors the other day, he was saying something about somebody had did with his garbage or whatever, and it was not anything but foolishness. But I said, I don't think nobody around here hopefully is that low down or whatever. But it was his talking and everything. I kind of got up and went in the house because I don't want to hear that negative talking of that about any other people or whatever. Don't put those kind of things in my mind or whatever. I'm about positively and I don't want to think that way of any of my neighbors or anybody else in that neighborhood. That's coming from within you. See, sometimes we project our thoughts, our minds, the way we are, we project it on other people and say it about other people. Uh, I said I was going to talk about God's sovereignty, which is going to take up a good bit of time. But in God's sovereignty, we have to trust God in the best of times and in the worst of times. And that was us with Jeremiah and the 15th chapter, 18th verse. And I went through that about Jeremiah not trusting God at that time. Or that God says that Jeremiah was wanting to be a seasonal prophet or whatever. But he had to stand for God and not give up and doubt God. He said God had deceived him in a way like it wasn't what God promised him or whatever. Um, like Ahab, I've I seen something, I didn't write it down, but in Psalms, the 73rd chapter, the sixth, the second through the third verse, we read what Asaph says, and I've taught on it before. He says, his feet had almost stumbled and whose steps had nearly slipped. And when he became envious of the prosperity of the wicked, it, it wasn't until he came into the house of the Lord that he seen his way. See, sometimes we can see other people prospering and things happening and we misunderstanding, but that's because we're not quite strong enough in God. We, we hadn't learned enough or we, had, we don't know it all. And that's why we have to be content in whatever situation we find ourselves in. We have to learn contentment because that's what happened with Job. Job, say he, Job says he spoke without understanding things that he thought he knew or what he, he knew a great, great bit about God, but he didn't know all about God. And that's what we have to, I was listening to a sermon on the way up here, a voted Bokum, he was talking about trusting God and obeying God. But then God gives you wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Those are things that you have to ask for. Because there's worldly wisdom, but there's godly wisdom that goes along. So you have to be depending upon God in all things, in the very smallest of things. You have to ask Him, and that's what God wants you to be. 
totally dependent upon him. Totally dependent. That's why Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Well, he wasn't meaning you can't do nothing at all, but you can't do anything from, for God without Jesus Christ. If the Lord's not in it, they who build the house labor in vain. So this has to be led by the Spirit of God, did God's way. Because there's a many a way that seem right to a man, and the end thereof is death and destruction. So it's dangerous to trust yourself and go by what, tr what, what you think or whatever. Jeremiah is clearly experiencing intense spiritual doubts. Can God use such an individual as his spokesman, his prophet, especially in this time of national emergency, uh, the, the approaching worst of times? So, like I said, times will really get bad here in the United States in this nation. You think they're bad now, they're going to even get worse. But we're going to have to watch how we handle ourselves. We have to position ourselves so everything we do glorifies God. That we don't cast a shadow on God, that our actions and things don't bring about us not doing things to glorify God or to bring glory to the body of Christ. Second uh, Peter, the third chapter, the fourth, third chapter, fourteen through eighteen verse. I put this down here. I don't know if I want to include this in there or not, but he says, "So beloved, since you are looking forward to these things." Be diligent and make every effort to be found by him at his return, spotless and blameless, in peace, that is, inward calm with a sense of spiritual well-being and confidence, having lived a life of obedience to Christ. And consider the patience of our Lord, his delay in judging and avenging wrongs, as salvation is allowing time for more to be saved. This is our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him by God, speaking about these things as he does in all his letters, to which there are some things that are difficult to understand, which the untaught and unstable who have fallen into error twist and misinterpret, just as they do the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. So there are those out there, and that's what I say, in this day and time, Watch who you're listening out on the radio. Watch who comes by your home uh, or that you're talking to spiritually about religion because that's the greatest deception that's going on now. That's why I'm consistently asking you, pleading with you, give your time to reading and studying the Word of God and praying because there are many deceivers out there. There are a lot of people that are using scriptures and preaching and teaching, but the church has apostatized. That's why, as we're talking about this Sabbath day, that God's destroying Judah, the church, uh, his people in Ephraim, is because they went into religious apostasy, idolatry. In other words, following the wrong preachings and teachings within Christianity, especially here in the United States of America. This is the most hypocritical nation it is. And I was telling you about Mitch McConnell the other day and the, the, the Republican Party. And because it's one thing to quote scripture and say scripture, but it's a whole other thing of walking the walk. You have to be a doer of scriptures. And you're going to be carried away with people that seem to be saying the right things and living the right way, but inwardly they are devils. There are different motivations and things that are driving them. 
So Peter is warning his listeners here and mentions that that we have to be especially careful in these times and uh, he, he, that sometimes you can get into religious teachers and things and because other people are listening at them or whatever and they don't understand it and you don't understand it and you don't have the sense to take it, analyze what they say and they kind of may be feeding you meat but they don't understand the meat that they're feeding you and if you're a milk-eating Christian, you wouldn't be able to decipher that out. That's why you need to talk to other preachers or talk to other members or something before you just go into anybody's church or open yourself up to leading or following anybody else or whatever, just following people. Because with God's sovereignty, trusting in God's sovereignty is for the strong of heart. It's for those that believe in God, as Job did, though he slay him. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3, 10 through 11 says, What profit is there for the worker from for the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the task which God has given to the sons of men, which to occupy them. I tell you what, let me hold on to that just a second. Let me, let me read one other thing. The sin of self-deception. The sin of self-deception. Jeremiah, the 17th chapter and the 10th verse. The heart, the human heart, our hearts, each individual, is deceitful above all things. It it is extremely sick. It is extremely wicked. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? I, the Lord, search and examine the mind. I test the heart. To give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. The living Bible reads, only the Lord knows. He searches all hearts and examines the deepest motives so he can give to each person his right reward according to his deeds and how he lives. So we will be paid according to our deeds and our works. But you see that he's searching the intents of the heart and the motives. Because God says, seek him with all of your heart. So he have to give you a heart to seek him. Because without that, you could be seeking your desires and have other motivations. You remember I told you that's what's dangerous, your thoughts. And why did you do something? What were the motives behind these things? God is stating what is later reiterated in Jeremiah the 23rd chapter, that there is individual responsibility, and we have to face up to the fact that there is no hiding from God. So, taking that into consideration, we have to see that we are accountable for our actions and our deeds. We can't blame them on God. We can't blame them on others. So we we have to give account for the deeds looking done in our body. He's looking for us to get the good out of life. His reasons are honorable and loving and kind and good. He is trying to help us to understand that cause and effect is at work. We need to consider, do we really trust God? 
Are you just saying that? Is that what, you know, you know, a lot of people say things in front of their neighbor, in front of other people or to their friends and things, because that's what everybody's saying. That's what they, but do, they, do you really trust it? Because now he's going to test you according to your works and deeds and according to the words of your mouth. So be careful what you say. Be careful what you ask for. Ecclesiastes 2.26 says that God gives gifts. We know to consider another wonderful gift he has given, not to his children only, but to all, man, other, all mankind. And that is what I was about to read. So he gives gifts to men. But he gave to all mankind this gift I was about to read in Ecclesiastes 3, 10 through 11. And that is, what profit is there for the worker from that to which he labors? I have seen the task which God has given to the sons of men, with which to occupy themselves. God had set eternity in the hearts of men. In other words, in, in the hearts of all men, he has placed eternity in there. In other words, everybody thinking about another life or a living or something beyond this life because as Solomon found out through worldly wisdom and through his ways that life was kind of meaningless under the sun. If you're looking at it from a worldly point of view or looking to the world, and that's why the world operates the way they do. Dog eat dog in the competitive ways. Only God can give meaning to life to you. Only God can give purpose. And that's why he had set that eternity. Everybody wants to live forever. Everybody wants another life or whatever. And he set that in the men's heart. He says, he has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted in eternity a sense of a divine purpose in the human heart. A mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God, yet man cannot find out that he is comprehend of grasp what God has done. In other words, God's overall plan from the beginning to the end. Only if you seek God and seek him with all of your understanding, with all of your mind, with all of your heart, then you start to understand life. He starts giving meaning to life. He starts giving you purpose to life. He starts giving you hope in life. He starts setting it to wait. Now you're starting to understand things. He's setting, you're starting to see a little bit clear. The closer you get to God, the more you get to God. Only God can do that. Apart from God, you just under the sun like everybody else. So we have to get through the fear, fearful, reverential fear of God. We, we obtain wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to live. To trust God, because without knowing God, without knowing of his works, how can you trust somebody you don't know? Mm. Or how can you trust somebody you have seen that's untrustworthy? Can you trust this government now? After the, after, in the last four, three, three years or so, I said you can't trust not only the government, but the people in the nation, because they're representatives of this they could have put a heart to this. The people could put a, but it takes all of us to do this. That's why God punishes nations and not just leaders. Okay? One observes that the universe tells us nothing about the purpose for life. While not entirely correct, it is close enough for the unconverted. 
how much spiritual truth does the unconverted mind really have to work with. Therefore, humanly, we attempt to create our own meaning and purposes in life. There's a lot of people create and it crap and crap in their religions and things. What do they say? You can create your own meaning. You can create this. You can create your own. No, you can't either. God has a purpose and a destiny. He has all this mapped out. He has predestinated this. You you can't create anything. All you can do is start depending upon God to show you to walk the path what he has designed and purpose for you to do because he created each one of us for a purpose and a reason and to fill a specific spot in the body of Christ. So this is not fitting yourself in. It's God fitting you in and you walk in there in and he's placing you where you go. Fitting ourselves into what we have imagined. No, you, you, you have to give up your imaginations and hopes and ask God for a mind. In other words, you want that same mind that's in Christ Jesus. One of unity, not division, not self, not self-promotion, not nepotism and all these other things. What are the odds that a person will come up with exactly the same purpose and meaning that the creator has planned for them? Nil, nada, zero. There's no way that you yourself can find out what path of way God wants you at. The only way you can, what you can do is God reveal it unto you. That's why it says the mystery of godliness. It's not something you could find out. It's something God has to show you. That's why it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. We need him to lead and guide us into all truths. That's why I say we have to trust in him. Now, he's then presented us with Jesus Christ. That's the object of our faith. And, and what did Jesus Christ do? He walked as pleasing unto God. He didn't walk to please himself. He trusted in God. He trusted him to death. Do you trust God 100% with your whole heart? No. None of us do. But we can be on that path to it. That's what Christ did. He wholeheartedly trusts God. Complete trust. He trusts him to the death. A death to die on the cross when he says, Not my will be done. Thy will be done. That's why I say we have to die to self. In addition, and this is essential now, what are the chances that a person would fit himself into the divine plan on his own? The correct answer. When we add other truths gleaned from other passages of God's word, we realize that verse 11 implies that we are being created for another world. Not this world. You remember I keep telling you, this world is passing away? So if we could be kings and leaders and rulers and things, the church is being designed for another purpose. All this has to pass away. This world system, this world is passing away. You wouldn't want to be in a world like it has served from a human perspective, but as the more you get closer to God, and a lot of people that feel so good about the United States, you start seeing the hypocrisy of the United States. You start seeing the the fallibility of the United States. It's just like when a child is a child. That child would trust his father, trust his mother. I remember I used to tell my children, jump, jump in my hands, I'm going to catch you. Well, a child is trusting of his parents because his parents know everything. But as that child gets older or whatever, 
he starts to find out, well, mama or daddy might not be might be fallible. They might not know everything. They might not can do everything. And then that's when that child starts to looking at other things or whatever. That's why a parent always has to instruct the child in the Lord, and that parent points that child to God. I, when my children were small, all of them had to begin, especially the boys, when they became teenagers, I prayed on them. I said, I can't say all these things or see everything you're doing, but God can. You're accountable to God. See, because we make promises or tell somebody we're going to do something and something comes up till we can't do it or we can't fulfill the promise, but not with God. God's promise is a yay, yay. In other words, you can't say God promised you something and didn't do it. So we see God is faithful when even when we're not faithful. So we can't trust in man and say, well, because my father, my mother let me down or whatever, they can't be trusted. No, you don't know God. You, you just realize it. Now you're realizing that your parents are human. That your parents, and it says put no trust in men. The type of trust you put in your parents and everything. If you was a godly person or whatever, you would understand why your parents fail at that time or whatever. God would be showing you these things or whatever. And your parent would be selling, telling you or saying things and you wouldn't have these divisions. Satan causes these divisions because you're living in this world and you don't fully understand or know or trust God or know the word of God. And that's why I say he's training us for another world, an entirely different world, an entirely different one with the realm of eternity. And the only way that you can live forever, the only way you can have God's holy life, the life eternal and everlasting. God's gift of the Holy Spirit has given us an ability an ability to transcend transcend mankind's fixation on the present and the material. In other words, to start looking past all of this, that's what the gift of the Holy Spirit has done. That's what faith has done. That's what trusting in God's word and his promises done. You look past your, your illnesses, you look past your health, you look past your shortcomings, you look past your circumstances and other things because your mind is in heavenly places. When you start realizing it is no longer us that live it, it is Christ that live it in us. That we sat in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, that we had died to self. So that's why suffering it's just a thing to us. We're suffering because Christ suffered. And our mind is in heavenly places. We're thinking God's thoughts. We're thinking that we are sons of God and that we have eternal life. So if we pass or whatever, we just only asleep. We're not dead. Our minds won't think of death. Our minds think of sleep. It's transferring everything from this life to the next life. That's why I say, if you see these politicians, you see these preachers, you see people thinking about mamma, money or material things of this life, they hadn't got connected with God to where they're transcend, transcending and thinking of the life to come. To get to heaven, you have to live for heaven right here on earth. You have to live for God. You can't live for the devil and then when you die, go to hell. 
You have to live for God. In God, that's why it gives you of your spirit that you die to self, that that's what stops you and that's what causes you to start trusting God and be able to say this joke. Though he slay me, yet I still go serve him. Though he kill all my children, though he took all my stuff. Though I'm sick or whatever, I'm still trusting in God's word because I found him to be trustworthy. So if the Lord give it and the Lord take it away, uh, we are being created for the spirit world of the Father and the Son and of the angels which were made to be ministering spirits for our benefit. We are being created for the kingdom of God. When we start realizing that the kingdom is right here among us, it'll be, it's in the midst of us. That's why Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, that we had been reconciled back to God. To find satisfaction and fulfillment, Solomon attempted many different avenues and things and thoughts and deeply did everything that he could, but he... However, he must come to understand that God ordained that we must live by faith while awaiting our change. We can't live by the moment. We can't live by emotion. The just shall live by faith. Amen. Feelings come and go. Sometimes, you, you know, husband and wife, feelings change. That's why you have divorces and things. Children and parents change, but that's why... You have breakup in homes and divisions. But faith says we have to live within a certain context. Faith says we have to honor our parent. Faith says we have to love one another. But with human, with the human being, with man, these things are impossible. You can't live with, that's why it says as much as possible. You can't live with certain people. But see, that's why he gave up us, the ones that are born again of his spirit. Because no, we can't do it. But he had placed his spirit in us. It says, through Christ, I can do all things which, through Christ who strengthens me. That's why we have to depend on him. When we're going through a circumstance, we have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and resist the devil. God, that's why God gives us greater grace during those times. That's why we're looking to God to help us. And that's why with different prayers and different things you tell God that's people doing you that's going on, he wants you to bring all that frustration to him. Bring your burdens. Cast all your burdens, your cares upon him. He can bear that load. You can't bear that load. Now, you have to do one thing. Remember I told you there's a personal responsibility? Now, you have to take up your cross now. You have to take up that cross and follow him. You have to deny yourself. You can't retaliate on everybody you want to retaliate. You can't give people a piece of your mind because God's word might say, well, when revile, revile not again. God's word may say, love your enemies. That's why in every situation you need to ask God what to do. But in that situation, God said, you know, so I'm just get up and go in the house because I'm not going to sit about to sit here and listen at you and allow you to put negative thoughts in me. And now I'm saying that's what you call gossiping. 
That's when you start thinking the whole world against you and you paranoid. Because whatever happened, God allowed it to happen. Even if somebody had it did, that God allowed that to happen. But I'm not going to be making accusations. That's what slander is saying somebody else did this and who did this and that, that. You don't want to get into those things. That's of the old man. Our former life is behind us. We're walking and living a different life. We don't do those things anymore. We have faith and we have to overcome by faith. It's a walk of faith. So while waiting for this change, we have to live by faith. That time must be spent within a relationship with God so that we can come to know him and his way even more fully, even more closely. Because everything you're going through, he's didn't been through before. Mm. His brothers didn't believe he was who he said he was. They didn't trust him. So you, you have to learn to deal with those things. Now is, the, now is the testing time, the time for trials to prepare us. We must learn that our satisfaction in life must come from an over-the-sun spiritual life by faith. Not a life lived under the sun, as said in Ecclesiastes. Remember it says, a life lived under the sun that a man must eat, may eat, drink, and enjoy the fruit. Sometimes it may require you fasting. Sometimes it may require you. You remember I told you I started this diet. I was using lose it and I eat a certain number of calories. And the whole week, if you look at my phone, I've been under most every day. Because after you eat a certain amount, you quit. You have to start disciplining yourself. And the other day, I was telling you, remember I was telling you, I don't eat the fried foods anymore. I don't eat fried chicken and all that other stuff. And I, then I said, well, you know, I had some fried chicken. I had fried fish today. But it was air fried. You don't use grease. You put it in the oven and it fries it without any grease. It's air fried. Because God has given gifts unto man. He's given every good thing. But then there's something I must do. I was telling my brother the other day that's in Georgia. I said, the moment I said I was going to start doing this, Sister Jackson bought a pack of those snack, you know, snack chips or whatever. And it's a variety of six or seven different flavors. And he... I used to tear them things up, but those things put weight on you. Easy little bag, they put weight on you. But that was a test. I'm being trying to test, so I ain't eating it. I think I ate one bag of those. But I said, well, those that you don't eat, a lot of times I try to eat things. I say, I don't want to waste. I say, well, those that, those chips and things that you don't eat that flavor, that particular kind, won't you give it to Sister Harris or something like that, and she could sell it to some of the children and eat those or whatever. But at night time, I go, I go to bed a little bit early or whatever. There's things we have to do. That's what I'm saying, denying ourselves. Because the doctor said, oh, you need to lose some weight. Well, that is right. And it's our body. We have to take care of our body. But it's not going to be easy. But like the nutritionist told me, well, don't use no excuse that your health is ill and you can't exercise. You know, I, like I say, with my knees and, and my heart and everything, I can't do no exercise. If you eat less, you're going to lose weight. It's, it's, that's simple mathematics. Yeah. Yeah. So what that's required? Denying yourself. It's going to require not eating certain ways. Different ways. It's, it's a little work. And it's discipline in that. The same thing, that's living by faith. You might have to... Get away from around your relatives. You might have to get away from people. 
but you have to study the Word of God. To grow in this, you have to take a diet of not eating and consuming television, consume the Word of God. Pray to God, talk with God, be in the presence of God more and more. Because as I tell you, we're in a battle now. We're in a battle. Don't lose this battle. Don't lose this battle because it is given to he who overcometh. As I said, that's a, he was talking to me from an under-the-sun perspective, whereas I try to live in an over-the-sun, in other words, a spiritual perspective, that Christ came and introduced. That's how we want to live, as Christ lived. Yeah. Those who pursue this relationship with God will be given eternal life because they know him and he knows them. This is the task to which Ecclesiastes 3.10 alludes to. God has given us this task to accomplish, to be prepared for living in his kingdom. To fulfill it, we must live by faith, trusting in his sovereignty in every situation. That God's sovereign, he's in control. So if I trust him, he, no matter how I look, he's going to get me through. Well, either that's how it's designed to go. Yeah. But he's still my father. He still has my best interest in heart. That I, I, a lot of, I know what's best for me. I know, no, you don't either. You remember Don Red say, well, you go past that churches and you go have to stop at church and you go see that chicken or whatever. That's going to give me inspiration not to because Brother Denhead did that same thing one time. I was talking to Sister Harris about dieting or whatever and he was talking about in Philadelphia and eating or whatever. But see, I want to be in that those people that say, yeah, I can do this too. I can do this too. We can overcome. That means being at peace and content, comforting ourselves with the truth that God is fully aware of what is happening in our lives and he is in control in the big picture. No matter what the government do, I don't trust the government anymore. And this is a government now... You know, physically, that's why I say what's going on in the spiritual mirrors, sometimes in the physical. Those that are spiritual should see this should be the easiest way to get away from trusting in the world and the things of the world. What's going on in the government? It should divorce you from the world. It should divorce you from the people and the things of the world. Ecclesiastes go for a little bit further, 314 says. I know that whatever God does, it endures forever. Nothing can be added to it. None, nothing can, none can anything be taken from it. For God does it so that men will fear and worship him with our fear or reverence, knowing that he is God. In the Living Bible, before I exposit that, it says, and I know this, that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or nothing taken from it. God's purpose in this is living in this is that man should fear the all-powerful God. So what God is doing will add to our awe of him. Man, with this COVID, these storms, the fires, all of the reporting and things coming up, that makes me fear God even more. If it doesn't cause you to say, man, you can't trust this world. I got to get out. I got to find something that's stable. If you can't see that this thing is blowing up, that it's about to implode, if you're counting on anything in this nation, you're not very spiritual. 
If God's not, that's why I say, God is working now greater than He ever worked. There can be nothing negative about adding to our respect of God. Recall that Proverbs 1 and 7 states, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. However, the fear of God is also the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding, of joy, peace, and much more because these all flow from God as gifts to us because of our contact with Him after being called. So, you know, I, had, I usually watch a lot of the news programs, but, you know, I had to watch, I watch a few of the local programs and watch, you know, I look at, I keep up to date on my phone, but I'm not following because all news does is stresses you out, it gives you anxieties, it makes you trust less than man, you start seeing the wickedness. But I tell you what, if you lay it down two for two weeks or whatever, Nothing has changed that you'll see that it's still on that collision course to be destroyed, the one it was on that Jesus Christ told us about. The one Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. That's why we should be spending more of our time with God. But I don't know if your television time is decreasing. I don't know if your time on your Game Boy or whatever computer things you play or whatever you're doing in life, whatever your hobby is. I was telling my brother, he said, you can't sit still. You need to always be busy doing something or whatever. Now, he loves to work or move around outside in the yard to do this, things I used to love doing or whatever until I was physically incapacitated where I couldn't do some of them. But then he says, but he could sit down and watch the game. He was talking about the Saints game the other night and different games. I said, but you know, I couldn't sit down and watch a football game or a basketball game. I feel like it's a wasted three or four hours there or whatever. I would feel better suited my time three or four hours in the Word of God. Because the world is passing away to me. It's no interest no more really in football. If my children or some of my sons or something around to, to accommodate them or be with them, but I'll try to bring the spiritual aspect into it. Even watching TV or movies or whatever. So the world is passing because one day you won't sit around and watch movies and things or whatever. That won't be in the next life or whatever. That's an entertainment or something in this life to keep you occupied, but you grow away from those. Is TV really meaning getting more meaningless to us? If it's not, I don't know. Let's just keep examining ourselves. You remember what he told John? John says he must increase and I must decrease. You will start seeing yourself transcend the things of this world and getting your mind on heavenly things, being occupied more with heavenly things. God set the times for many significant events. For example, when Jesus was born, when the gospel began to preach, when he would be crucified, how long he was in the grave, and when the kingdom will be restored. That's important at three days and three nights. But do you know, you know this nation has torn that to shreds? With a simple holiday like Christmas, it tears that to pieces. Christmas and Easter tears those to pieces. All of God's work here, Christian holidays, look at the logic behind it. Even the secular world would say, well, now look, this is contradictory here. 
three days and three nights is three days and three nights is taught by God, and, and it was very significant. But when you bring up holidays like Easter and things like that, you're destroying things that the Word of God is very specific on. He told the people that were looking for signs and wonders, he said, there shall be no sign given except the son of Jonah the prophet, and that is the son of man is going to be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. How can you get a resurrection Sunday, a sunrise service with a good Friday? It's foolishness. And then we go along and tolerate these things. But see, the more you start to stand against these things, the more your wife, the more your relatives and things will call you crazy. Either you will go along with it just to pacify it and be going. So that's why I say all of us, not 100%. When you start being 100% committed to God, these things go fall by the wayside. That's why it says it's going to be divisions in your families and homes because, no, I don't follow that now. I don't believe in that. That's not the way we will go here. Thus we must learn uh, that the operations in time God sets are thoroughly reasoned, permanent, and unchangeable. Whatever God does endures forever. He schedules and performs everything at exactly the right time. Thus we must grow in trusting God's timing on everything in our lives. It is important to our spiritual well-being. That's how we learn patience. We can't rush God up. He's going to do it in his time. If you ask him and pray to him, be content. He's bringing about. He's heard. When Daniel kept praying, he said, I heard you 14 days ago when you first started praying. God is not deaf now. But you have to trust him that He's going to do it in his own time, in his own way, and he might not do it the way you... That's why you have to ask him, God, to show me and lead me. Give me understanding to these things. God wants to impress upon those living by faith that he truly wants us to know what he has done and what he is not doing to the degree that we can we can understand it. That's why Matthew, when he opened up the understanding to where they could understand the scriptures, but there are some that's going to be locked. He's going to close their understanding. They're not going to have the ability to see it, nor hear it, because they're not seeking and following after him with their own heart. He hadn't given it to them. So why do you compromise or tolerate or go back, backslide, uh, 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 let them influence you. If God's pulling you forward this way, why are you trying to stay even with them, allow them to stay even with you? Sometimes you have to be a trailblazer, a pioneer. You have to go out ahead. For our good, though, he does not want us to stop second-guessing him because doing so is not beneficial to living by faith. When we do that, we tend to do foolish things. Now this leads to the most helpful conclusion. With God in control of time, we through our experiences gradually become aware of our sheer helplessness. That if God's in control of this, I can't do nothing to God moves anyhow. Are you aware that it's not going to happen one minute before it should? They was wanting Jesus to come get Lazarus out of the grave but it was designed for him to stay in there that length of time until Jesus came and did it. We cannot manipulate time nor manage the times and we live and operate in. 
So this causes us to learn with contentment uh, and our helplessness to do anything and that we depending on God. The humility produced by this awareness is of great value to us. That we're not God and with that humility it causes you always to look to God. Instead of looking to some televangelist, somebody, you understand, God, heal him now. Heal him now. Oh, okay, God saying, now look, I got to get this right now. As soon as he touch him and say, heal him now, I got to do it right here. <laughs> so you commanding God? But see, when Peter was in tune, how would he like to have what he said? Peter was able to look and see that man had faith to be healed and say, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have is in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. See, so you have to start lining up with the way things God's doing because just think how long that that man had been at that gate. He had been there during the time of Jesus. Jesus had been in and out of that direction now. But it was for Peter to heal him. It was for Peter to do that. See, sometimes some people to be won is by somebody else. Like, that's what Paul had learned. People were saying, I won this person to Christ. I did this. Now, hold on now. That's why Paul said, y'all giving to preachers, y'all giving to crowds and everything. He says, Apollos watered, I planted, God give it the increase. So we shouldn't brag or whatever. We should go about planting the word of God, witnessing and testifying of God and living the life. What God does after that, his word won't go out void. It's going to achieve its purpose in the objective God had sent it to. With this understanding, we can appreciate that we can move forward toward God's kingdom only at the speed he deems correct for us. This gives us four more reasons to be, four more reason to be content that we can't do anything before our time, but we, that's why God does it that way, so that it would be by faith and we would trust on, in Him, but we would continue to persevere and seek Him. And it doesn't mean find all of a sudden, find Him all of a sudden. Uh, Trusting in self. Do I have time for that? No, I got another one too here on trusting in self that I'm going to hold these and go over them at another time because we got a lot of trusting to come up in the, further in the chapter. So we will end this tonight right here and sing. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this night, Lord God, give us...